Amen. Let's thank the Lord. I was sitting there thinking, I think we should have Kaylee preach today. <laughs> Not amazing. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. God can break through a person's heart and life. These stories today remind us that God is active, that he's moving, that he's alive, that he's interested, that he knows what's going on in our lives, and that he's drawing people. Is he drawing you? Is he working in your life? Baptism is a beautiful thing because it reminds us that there's a point we come to in our lives where we need to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and in doing so, the Bible says that when a person places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they become new creations. And it's the faith, you know, Romans 5, beautiful, having been justified by faith. It's not a work that we do. We don't have to go through motions. We don't join a church. We don't even get baptized to get saved. Salvation occurs and then we want to live our lives out with expressions of gratefulness and expressions of, of uh, our faith in Christ. And baptism is like supposed to be that initial oh, I'm a new person and God has forgiven me of my sin. He's taken me from death and brought me into life and this going down into the water, a symbol of going into death and coming out. It's all, it's all symbol. It's, just, it's a reality of what God has already done if we've come to place our faith and trust in Christ. And there's always a lot of confusion around that. And some of us sitting here this morning, I'm sure in a crowd this size, there's some of us who don't know what it really means to know Christ and you've been invited to come, maybe one of these Folks invited you to come, hey, come see my baptism, in hopes that God the Spirit would land in our hearts and show us our need for Jesus and show us our need for our salvation, the fact that we need our sins forgiven. And if that's you today, the great news is, is that he's ready right now to come in your life, right, church? He's ready right now to come into your life. He's ready to take residence, forgive all your sins, make you a brand new creation, and it all happens just simply because you believe, you have faith, you trust his work, you trust the cross, you trust what he did for you, that it was for you, and that he rose again from the grave. And, and it's just so amazing. You know, I talk to people all the time, I'm going to tell some stories today, but there's so many people that don't know that story, they don't know that reality. And even people sitting in churches like this don't know that reality sometimes. And so we're just praying that God would break through today in every person's heart. He knows your life. He knows right now what's going on. He knows the thing that you're struggling with, the thing that you don't understand. That one beautiful testimony, the, I cried to the Lord and he heard my cry. He saved me. That's what God does. Aren't you glad? Mm. You know, last week, Pastor Mark and I were away. We, we were in Thailand um, we were serving the Church of China, actually, um, and we had an amazing time. You know, we, we met, uh, we, we were a part of building a training center in Chiang Rai, Thailand, um, several years ago, and that center has continued to grow, and other groups have gotten involved and built more buildings, and there's, it houses about 130, 140 pastors now. Um, and so every month, the group that we work with, Barnabas and Partners, brings down uh, a group of 100-plus pastors to be trained. And uh, there, we do this usually in January, but there was a vacancy. Uh, uh, Jim Simbola actually, was supposed to be there this last week, and he, for some reason, could not come. He wrote Faith, uh, what, Faith on Fire? 
something like that. <laughs> anyway, Jim Cimbala, great pastor. Um, anyway, so we were the B team, Pastor Mark and I, we, we were called in to uh, support that work. And it was just an absolute amazing time. You know, we, we left on Easter Sunday evening, so we were really refreshed when we took off. And um, it was kind of a crazy week before, but you know, we got there. Uh, the Lord gives us grace to kind of hit the ground running, and, and you can see maybe we, ha- we needed a little caffeine fix every day, you know, just to kind of get <laughs> into the motion of the day. And, you know, Mark, he overdoes it a little bit every now and then. Um, we had so much fun just being together. I love Pastor Mark. His love for uh, missions and his ability to connect us with strategic places in the world where God's working is phenomenal. We, we are so blessed as a church to have a guy like Pastor Mark with us, not only what he does here, but what he does globally and, and putting us in touch. Um, but, you know, so we, we spent, uh, God give us strength, we spent six days training uh, and looking for ways to encourage these pastors. Uh, 102 of them, uh, as you can see, there's a picture there of us, uh, that's the training center, and that's uh, one of us is up there teaching and preaching. Uh, but, you know, over the course of the week, we sat down with individuals, too, and heard their stories. And, uh, you know, these, these beloved people, they go through so much. You know, we heard stories of uh, people who have the threat of their children being denied education, uh, losing their lease on an apartment, me- needing to move constantly, or their church needing to move, or the government coming in and, um, you know, taking crosses off churches in one area. All the churches that have crosses have been removed uh, and they're putting up video cameras in the churches to see who shows up in the church. And, and when they monitor your life that way, you know, they can kind of decide who gets education, who doesn't, who gets jobs, who gets promotions. It's crazy what these people go through. And, and we just don't have any clue. This couple here, right here, I'll just freeze that picture for a minute. Uh, that little lady next to me and her husband, they serve in a, in a place. And she came to know Christ at a young age, 17, 18 years old. She started training others in the gospel work, and, and uh, it got her arrested. She was thrown in jail the first time, 45 days. Uh, the first three days, she said she fasted and prayed, and then uh, people in the jail just started reaching out to her. They couldn't believe, like, why are you here? Well, I'm here because of the gospel. What? You know, and so they just had compassion on her, actually, the inmates, and they served her and helped her, and through that whole experience, I don't know, Mark, you remember 30 people came to know Christ? in that 45-day period of time uh, through her testimony. Then she was out for more time, uh, you know, teaching, preaching, and she was put in jail again, this time for four months. And in the four-month period of time, she had a privilege of, uh, and this was the amazing thing, we, we asked her, you know, like, how did you deal with the discouragement uh, of, of being there? And she said, well, you know, God gave me a verse of scripture. Pastor Mark said, what scripture did you kind of hold on to? And she said, well, Acts 14, says, through many hardships, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. And that was the verse that held her strong. In those four and a half months that she was in prison, uh, she was sharing that the guards treated her really well. And we asked why, because that's usually not the case. And she said, well, when I got there, all the women that were in the place where I was were fighting each other all the time. They were just, it was a terrible, terrible experience. And when I came in, uh, I started ministering in love and prayer and, and help to these women. And it, it just, the atmosphere changed. And these women became uh, softer and uh, uh, compliant. And the guards couldn't believe it. So the guards took care of this lady. 
and I thought, I thought of the stories of the Bible, you know, where like Daniel and others that, you know, under great pressure, a difference is made. You know, Joseph in prison, you know, how God uses that. Anyway, um, we were just so amazed to talk to these beautiful, beautiful people. On the last day, through the generosity of our church family, we were able to give Bibles out to uh, this, this group. And, and here they are. Show, look at their faces in this picture. Um, a lot of pastors in China don't even have a Bible, but th- not only do these guys have Bibles, we brought them study Bibles uh, that are written in Chinese uh, in their language, and this is like a cherished gift. You know, Mark, bless his heart, he puts together like this little gift thing, you know, there's a backpack, and inside, you know, the leader, Barnabas, comes up, and he says, okay, everyone, before we leave the conference, our guests have brought gifts for us, and they're all, woo, you know, they're all excited, and, uh, and, and he shows the backpack. Well, inside the backpack, there's a pair of socks, woo, everyone's excited, there's, there's some medicine, woo, you know, uh, there's C's candy, woo, everyone goes crazy. <laughs> Seize candy. And then and, and there's a little, uh, little thing you stick in your computer, you know, to uh, a little memory stick that has all these resources on it. And they go crazy. And then they say, and last but not least, we have this study Bible. Pull it out. And they, it was like, have you ever seen the Oprah program, Favorite Things? <laughs> like the place goes berserk. I mean, they're just crazy, crazy fun. It was so beautiful. They get these Bibles and they're just, but here's, this is the thing that really hit me. You know, the people in our church that donated these Bibles, I think they were $40, and, and uh, I don't know, 100 of you plus gave those uh, Bibles. And then you got a picture taken, and as we're handing out the Bibles, each Bible had the picture of the person who don- donated that Bible. And uh, even right now, I'm just so emotional. As we're handing these Bibles to these dear Christian brothers and sisters, I'm seeing you guys going out. I'm seeing pictures, the Sartans, pictures of, you know, just people, all, all of you sitting here just, and I'm going, our church is so generous, and you guys are now in homes and little dwelling places with these Chinese pastors who are praying for you every day. They don't even know your name. They see your picture, and they're praying blessing, and they're praying that God would just use you, and just, they are so on fire, and it's so beautiful, and it's so, so powerful. And I guess I just wanted to say thank you. I want to say thank you for all of them and for sending us and just giving us an opportunity to minister in a, in a broader context. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You know, last week, Pastor Danny wrapped up the teaching of our Matthew series, and I, it's hard coming up here this morning and saying, turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. <laughs> I want you to turn there. To actually, take your Bible out. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Um, we'll, we'll be in chapter 5 for a few minutes this morning. And last week, Pastor Danny, great message, listened online, uh, talked about how these beleaguered disciples, probably not really energized and ready to step out and, you know, go minister and reach the nation's with the gospel, and yet, and by the way, Danny challenged everybody last week, read through the, read through the, the book of Acts this week. Did you do that? Don't raise your hands, it's okay. But he challenged everybody, and you know, it's just funny, the Lord put it on my heart, when we were flying over there, uh, just, I, I, I just decided to read through Acts, you know, um, 
And so I spent the whole week, we were there just kind of reading through Acts and listening to the Lord and hearing some things from him. And, um, and so I'm going to give you the challenge again. If you didn't do it last week, I'm going to challenge you this week. Your homework is to read through the book of Acts. Uh, you'll be glad you did. And coming up to this little text in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse 29. Um, the background here is that the apostles have been preaching the gospel, performing miracles, and, and uh, you know, they, they say some amazing things here. Verse 29, it says, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. They're telling the guys to shut up about Jesus. Peter says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to the to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us to those who obey him. And, and right, this is just such an intense place because they're standing before the ruling council of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, and, uh, and they're being given strict orders not to teach anymore in his name and yet Peter, in his defense, is saying, look, you know, we can't stop doing this. And you can tell us to stop, but we're not going to stop. And that's what you see through the book of Acts. You see this sort of relentless passion. So, with what Pastor Danny said last week, you know, if, if the disciples were beleaguered and kind of worn out and not really energetic about their faith and not sure about taking the gospel to the nations, I mean, something radical has happened between Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 5, and we know what that is. Danny talked about it last week. It's Pentecost. It's the Holy Spirit coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he gives you power Specifically for witness. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Holy Spirit coming upon us as believers in Christ. We don't, we don't talk enough really about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the, the resident truth teacher that comes to live inside of us and, and, and make his dwelling in us has one intent purpose, that, like the gal that talked about this, living intentionally, one intent purpose, and that is to witness for Jesus Christ, to be witnesses, bold witnesses for Christ. And I know that, that some of us get scared out of our minds when we hear that. And we think, we, we, get, we get this view that, you know, that's for pastors. And I get it, I know. I mean, it, it is, it's my calling and I'm excited that I actually get to do this as a calling. But as a Christian, we are all mandated. And that sounds really weird to say that. Because it's not even a mandate. It's like, you, you know, when you're in love with somebody, you tell people about it. Right? Right? <laughs> you know, like, like you're excited about this love relationship that you have. And so when I say when we come to know Christ, we're mandated. The idea is that we, we are, the, the word is compelled. We are compelled to tell others of the good news of Christ. So, um, so afterwards, the, the apostles, uh, the one guy stands up, his name is Gamaliel, and he's a teacher of the law, and he says, look, let's leave these guys alone. If they're of God, uh, we don't want to be standing against God, and if they're not, if they're not of God, this whole thing is going to be a wash. Let's just leave them alone. So they just decide to whip these guys 
and tell them one more time, don't talk about Jesus anymore, and they, and they, they send them out. They let them go, verse 40. And then verse 41, look at this. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. Okay, they just got, they just got scolded. They got rebuked. They got whipped. And then, look for verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You know, the whole week I was there in Thailand, I kept thinking about that passage. It kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. And there's a few things I want to share, and there's, there's a lot coming together in this, because yesterday, yesterday, I was standing right here on this platform with uh, a group of about seven or 800 pastors and leaders from all over the, the Bay Area. And there was an event put on by a group that I've been tracking with for a while. It's called Transforming the Bay for Christ, TBC. And you've seen it in our bulletin a couple of weeks. And to be honest, I'm embarrassed that I didn't get up here and say, you guys all ought to come to this event because the events I've been to were really focused mostly on pastors. But it would have been awesome to have you all there yesterday because they talked about this. They talked about the fact that we've got to figure out as the church of Jesus Christ to continue to get the word out because none of us can do it alone. No church can do it alone. We need each other. We need to draw arms together with other churches of like-mindedness, passion for reaching, the, the reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yesterday, Nancy Ortberg, who's the CEO of TBC, was standing right here, and she was sharing a little bit about, um, you know, sometimes we forget what we said yes to when we said yes to Jesus. That kind of struck me, and I thought about this, because I thought about the apostles, how they, when they said yes to Jesus, they said yes to the things that were happening to them right here in this text. Then, the guest speaker yesterday, Condoleezza Rice, was here. Um, she stood right here, right here. She stood right here. <laughs> and she talked about unity and reconciliation and how, you know, like the body of Christ is super diverse and we've got to somehow figure out ways. She's a very strong, outspoken follower of Jesus. And, you know, I wanted to tell her, hey, I voted for you this last term. You know, I wanted to say that because <laughs> I did. But anyway, I, uh, I, you know, she doesn't have a political bone in her body, really. Head of state, you know, national defense, and yet her passion is to see people one with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she's a prof, prof, professor over at Stanford University. And, but, but, you know, she said, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable in your life, comfortable in your faith, you're not listening to Jesus. Because Jesus said, get out. Get out. Take a walk around the neighborhood. Stop talking about everything and go do something. I thought, wow, that's, that'll preach. That's what these guys were doing. They, they, were, they were preaching Jesus. Now, a couple things, and I'm going to just make this really short because I'm just kind of talking to you this morning. Um, what, what do we say yes to when we came to know Jesus? These baptismal candidates that are officially, they're coming out today saying, we said yes to Jesus, okay? So here's what we, this, this passage alone tells me that we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to hardship and suffering in following Jesus. 
We say yes to hardship and suffering. Would you just say that with me? We say yes to hardship and suffering. Now, as weird as that sounds to us, that's not weird to most people in the world. Um, I talked to someone last week. I, I was reading a journal last week that talked about the the 100 most uh, persecuted countries of the world, number one being North Korea, and then down the list, and, and I got to uh, Saudi Arabia, number 14 on the list, Saudi Arabia, and I'm reading all these countries about how difficult it is. You know, you, if you are a Christian in those countries, I mean, you're talking execution in 100 countries and top 15 to 20, immediate. And so it's really delicate to be a follower of Christ. Um, and so I was thinking, it was weird. I was having this little prayer time, and I was saying, Lord, what, how are you going to do this, you know, with these countries? And so I was praying for these countries all the way down the list. And then I'm at the gym this last week, and somebody walks up to me, taps me on the shoulder. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I go to Three Crosses. And I said, oh, nice to meet you, Laura, Lori. Talk to Lori for a minute. She goes, I've just got a question. I'm a nurse, and I'm being transferred to Saudi Arabia. And I'm wondering if you know any Christian contacts there. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, you, I just was saying, Lord, how are you going to do this? And here's Lori. Lori's going as a nurse. And of course, I know, this is the way God does it, right? I mean, there are Christian people in Saudi Arabia. There are Christian people in North Korea. There's God's at work in these countries. And we forget that. God cares for every nation of the world. He cares for every person in the world. And he's calling people out. What did we say yes to? We said yes to hardship and suffering. But look at verse 41 again. They went out rejoicing because they had counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. It's not that we just are going to encounter hardship and suffering, but we're going to experience joy in that. There's something about doing God's will that becomes a source of joy in our hearts, no matter how hard it gets. And some of us have hard circumstances in our lives today. Probably none of us are facing, you know, dire straits because we're a Christ follower. We might be getting bumped around at work a little bit. Maybe we've lost a job because of our following Christ. I mean, that's about as severe it might get for most of us. There are other things, sure. But when we said yes to Jesus, we, we said yes, Lord, to hardship and suffering. Acts 14, 22, through many hardships, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Laura from China, who said those words. Another thing we said yes to was we said yes to getting the word out. Gospel saturation. We said yes to gospel saturation. Say that with me. We said yes to gospel saturation. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Take my word everywhere. Take my message everywhere. And I love this. It says, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming. I, I underline in my Bible the, the two words never stopped. Maybe you'd want to do that right there because the question that that begs is, did you ever start? <laughs> if, if you've never stopped, it's because you started somewhere. And when God calls us into relationship with him, he calls us to be active as witnesses for Christ. Um, on the way home, we were flying from Bangkok to 
Hong Kong, and there was a gentleman sitting next to me, and uh, we just struck up a conversation, and you know, you just pray, you say, Lord, where do you want to take this, and, and uh, we just had a lot of fun getting to know each other. He lives in Bangkok, but he works in Canada for a month at a time, and he goes back and forth. He's got a wife, two kids, a really nice young man in his 30s. We just kind of had a little bit of a bond. You know, when you're on an airplane for three hours, you can kind of do that. And we just had a really great conversation. And at one point in the conversation, after I found out about everything he did, he said, so what do you do? And, you know, that's, that's the dangerous question to ask a pastor. You know, I said, well, and I, you know, I, I knew that I didn't have that much time, so I didn't want to play around too much. I said, hey, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor in a local church, you know, and I love sharing the love of Christ with people. And I said, uh, What's your faith story? And, and he goes on to tell me about his father being, uh, in, he goes, have you ever heard of Campus Crusade for Christ? I go, yeah. He said, well, my dad's a part of the Jesus Film Project, and he's taken Jesus films all over the world, and he told me all this stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, this guy must be a Christ follower. I mean, nothing had indica- indicated that he was, but nothing had indicated that he wasn't. And, and then I looked at his face and his eyes, and he just kind of got a little bit down, and he said, nah, I've pushed away from all that. He goes, I, you know, and then he went on and told me the story about wreckage in a church where a pastor back home had, you know, gotten involved with little children inappropriately at a time in his life where he just said, oh man, forget that, and just problems and churches and people that called themselves Christians. His best buddy was, his parents were Christians and they beat his buddy all the time, just beat him senseless all the time. The guy ended up committing suicide and oh, you know this stuff he's like you know I'm done with all that religious and he used a word I won't share and I said wow you know I said what about your dad what do you see in his life and he talked about his dad no my dad has integrity my dad's a man of God but I just can't believe with all the stuff I've seen and he just he was very honest so I said would you mind if I just took a minute and just talked to you a little bit about what Jesus came to do and so we God just opened a beautiful opportunity, and you know, it, I think it helped him. He, he appreciated what I had to share, and, and I was able to give him the Gospel of John, and I said, Mark, would you read this? And he goes, I will. I'll, I'll read this. And I've just, I've been, all week I've been thinking about him, sitting in his, you know, up in Canada, working his job, and just praying that Mark is reading the Word of God. But you know, that conversation told me that there's a lot of people who have pushed away They don't really know the real Jesus. They've pushed away from a Jesus they really don't even know. When we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to bringing the gospel everywhere we went. And then I looked at this last little thing in verse 41. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And all through the book of Acts, you see this. It's all about Jesus and it's only about Jesus. And when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to focusing our lives, letting Jesus be the center of our lives, right? When we said yes to Jesus, we said, Jesus, you're in the center. Say that with me. When we said yes to Jesus, we said, Jesus, you're in the center of our lives. So that's, that's just what I want to share with you today. It's a little snip of kind of what God's been doing in my heart. And, and I guess what I'm, the ask is this. It's like, here we are, we're a, a large church. We've got a lot of people that come out. 
And we've got a message that everyone, every eight, every one of eight million people in this Bay Area needs to hear, right? And we're 2,500 of those 8 million people that have a huge job to do. And we can't do it alone. We need other churches around us. We need to be praying for other churches. I'm going to be talking to our staff about this again. How can we, you know, stretch arms? How can we do? Because it's not just our little thing. It's the gospel for the world. Are you in on that? Are you? Okay. Let's keep reminding each other because we get scared. I do. I close up. I invited some people to church this week. Every week, you know, are you inviting people? I got dear people in my life that I want to know Jesus. I want them to know Jesus. Somebody's got to tell them. The people in my life, they need to hear it from me. People in your life need to hear it from you. And today, maybe someone's here that needed to hear it from Jesus and they heard it today. Testimonies right here, gospel.